Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning, December the 2nd, 2021. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, and uh, a a full show for you guys today. Uh, Lots of local stuff, Uh, lots of stuff pertaining to city of Tucson, specifically the University of Arizona, and several of their athletic programs, of course, the uh, the basketball program we will uh, we will discuss some of the things that developed overnight and what we can expect moving forward as the Washington Huskies had some breakthrough cases and were forced to postpone the game that was scheduled for tonight at the McHale Center. So we'll talk about that. Tommy Lloyd had a press conference and a little salty uh, about the fans and the fans not showing up for games. So. We'll uh, we'll talk about that as he'll have to now wait a little while longer to see some fans at the McHale Center because uh, the Wildcats will not be back in action until December 8th when they return back home from their trip to Corvallis, Oregon, when they take on the Beavs over the weekend. Um, also, a uh, U of A bas- uh, U of A baseball rather released their 2022 baseball schedule: 31 home games. At High C, so we've got some uh, uh, some great matchups coming up. They're going to be playing uh, Grand Canyon. They're also going to be playing a lot of teams who are going to be ranked in the top twenty-five teams who were uh, in the postseason last year. So uh, an exciting upcoming season. We'll talk about some of that as well. And of course, University of Arizona football program Jed Fish announcing that they have hired their new defensive coordinator, which we'll talk about momentarily because that is going to be the lead story today nationally on the on the national uh, spectrum of sports of course nfl week 13 begins tonight thursday night football between the cowboys and the saints there are some news and notes that you may want to know about before uh taking a look at that game whether it be as a uh, a casual fan as an invested fan or if you're looking to uh, maybe drop some shekels on the game as well give you some uh, give you some tips and uh, some insight into maybe how you can cash in one of those FanDuel Sportsbook tickets, and uh, we'll get you going on that. Plenty of other things going on, and, of course, the Major League Baseball lockout occurred overnight. I have plenty of thoughts on that, which I will share uh, before we get out of here today. Also, we do have our uh, our women's basketball tickets that we're going to be giving away, the contest for that. Be listening for your cue to call. It could happen anytime within the next hour and 53 minutes that I could be uh, calling for you to call the studio and talk to Mary and get those uh, uh, get those women's basketball tickets that game is for next Thursday night against North Dakota State so be listening it could happen at any time your cue to call for those tickets and uh, plenty of other things coming up and who knows there may be some breaking news come down as uh, you know the east coast at now 9 a.m. and you know that kind of predicates how everything goes in uh, in in the world uh, here, at least here in the U.S. So uh, you never know what could come about, and we'll keep you apprised of any of that information. But let's begin with the new defensive coordinator for your Arizona Wildcats football team. His name is Johnny Nansen. Now I know 
you know, just from some of the idle conversation that I was having yesterday, it was a busy day yesterday uh, after I got out of the show. Uh, but I did talk with some some friends, you know, obviously who are our fans. Uh, did have some responses to some uh, some tweets that I had sent out, and I think the the overall response was like, okay, I don't know who this person is, don't know who the guy is, never heard of Johnny Nansen before. Okay, and and look, if unless you are someone who just continues to keep a close eye on Southern California recruiting practices, you probably don't know who Johnny Nansen is. Or if you're someone who doesn't keep a close eye on Polynesian recruiting uh, results and practices, you probably don't know who Johnny Nansen is. But if you are someone who is who is focused on that, you're very familiar with who Johnny Nansen is because he's been recruiting both of those areas extremely well over the last six or seven years. He's done a, a, a you know a, a quite a good job recruiting the the Southern California and the Polynesian uh, recruits for quite some time, whether it be Washington, USC, and most recently at UCLA. Most recently at UCLA, he was serving as UCLA's defensive line coach over the last two seasons. He uh, spent the previous six years at USC, where he served. He was basically like a uh, a Swiss Army knife coach at the time. He was the recruiting coordinator for his final four seasons, four, four or five seasons, I don't remember which. I think, I think it was four seasons. His final four seasons at USC, he was the recruiting coordinator uh, there for for the Trojans. And he served in multiple capacities as far as coaching, whether it be uh, uh, defensive, uh, like the defensive run game coordinator, where, you know, just basically making sure you have your run fits in in play. He was an assistant head coach for some time. He coached running backs like Ronald Jones, uh, you know, obviously Ronald Jones, who's, who's in the league. Um, coached some other pretty successful players in the backfield. He coached special teams. He coached linebackers. Um, there's been there's been plenty of, of players and positions that he's coached over time. Um, you, you may remember the uh, you may remember the uh, the name of the uh, the linebacker that uh, that USC had a few years ago, who basically you know he, I, well I shouldn't say basically he did leave lead the uh, the Pac-12 in tackles. Three years consecutively, Cameron Smith, who is still one of the best overall tacklers I've seen in a long, long time, that was a Johnny Nansen coached player. Um, you know, when when Jed Fish laid out his prerequisites for the guy that he was looking for as his next defensive coordinator, Johnny Nansen is kind of he you know he he pretty much checks off all of the boxes that Jed Fish had laid out. You know, and, and one of the things that Jed and, and look, Jed spoke with uh, with uh, the Daily Star yesterday while he's out recruiting. Obviously, he's not having press conferences and stuff like that. They'll introduce Johnny Nansen on Friday to the uh, to the media. But he spoke on the phone um, with Michael Lev, I believe, and Jed praised Johnny Nansen's. Uh, infectious energy. That's you know you know one of the things that um, that he's going to bring with him is just this remarkable amount of energy on the field and a lot of energy off the field on the recruiting trail. He's a guy who recruits the California specifically the Southern. He played high school in Long Beach, um, so he's very familiar, obviously, with that area. 
Yesterday, also, Twitter was a buzz when uh, with uh, a lot of the Polynesian recruits. Some of your um, three, four star Polynesian recruits were taking to Twitter, saying how excited they were and uh, congratulating Coach Nansen um, because he's already established relationships with a lot of those players. So you're going to see an influx of Polynesian influence on the Arizona roster. It's just going to happen with Jordan Pau-Pau, of course, his recruiting prowess in the Polynesian community, and now adding Johnny Nansen to that. Those are two real Polynesian powerhouses there, which is going to give Arizona a great edge when recruiting poly players uh, and trying to you know keep them away from other programs such as UCLA, USC, Utah, three schools who recruit very, very highly in the Polynesian community. Also, if you go up to Washington, Washington has recruited the Polynesian players real heavily, and Oregon has been dipping into the poly pool as well. So this is going to give Arizona a, a, a nice leg up on a couple of those programs, or at least bring them even, um, in my opinion, to how those programs are recruiting uh, the poly players. Now, when you look at Nansen as a, as a, as a whole, for, you know, based on his, his body of work that he has, um, the thing that impressed me most about Johnny Nansen is I was kind of digging in yesterday. I was a little bit familiar with him. I found out yesterday morning, literally like five minutes after the show. Of course, that's <laughs> the way it happens. About five minutes after the show, five, ten minutes after the show, um, I recorded the daily promo Signed off, walked into my living room, uh, got a uh, got a glass of water, and sat down and got a text message and was like, "Oh, okay, um, all right." The the name I'm like, "Okay, uh, UCLA," and, and he was he was with Sark at USC, and then kind of started digging in. I immediately just went into uh, you know dig mode and trying to find out more about him. The thing that impressed me most about Johnny Nansen was. He was able pr- to produce all American, uh, all American profile players, guys whom he not only who he recruited, but guys that he was in charge of while he was on the coaching staffs, respectively UCLA and USC. Everybody he coached, every position that he coached, produced a player that was at the top or near the top of the Pac-12 and or the country in specific parts of, you know, what their responsibilities were. Uh, I mentioned Cam Smith. In 2018, from 2016 to 2018, Johnny Nansen served as the linebackers coach at USC, produced one of the best linebackers in the history of USC football. Also, there were a couple of other, other, other pretty good linebackers on this team, uh, on that USC team that were coached by Johnny Nansen. You may recognize the name Yukena Nwosu. Obviously went on to the NFL. Uh, he's playing for the Chargers. Cam Smith went on to play for the Vikings. Both of those guys were, I mean, it made one of the best linebacker duos in the entire country. Uh, they had, I think they were th- number 35, I think, or 36, 35th or 36, 36th in, in uh, total defense. Uh, during the 2016 season, they beat Penn State in the Rose Bowl, and those two linebackers were a huge reason for that. So those guys were his responsibility. Those guys excelled, went on to get drafted and play in the NFL. That's a very impressive feather in the cap 
for Johnny Nansen and his ability to coach linebackers. He also, as an assistant head coach during 2014 and 2015, was USC's running backs coach. Now, during that time, he coached a guy by the name of Ronald Jones, whom he not only recruited as a a four-star tailback, uh, but then was able to coach immediately. Ronald Jones only went on to become one of the top ten running backs in the country in his time at being coached uh, at USC. Obviously, we know where Ronald Jones is now. He plays running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The the you know, ability of of look, you can bring four star talent in, five star talent in. It's not guaranteed that they're going to excel. Uh, let's let, I mean, take a look at Spencer Rattler. People just assumed that because he was the number one rated quarterback in the country and that he was going to Oklahoma and going to play for Lincoln Riley, who is a the, the quarterback whisperer, and everything he, you know, every quarterback he touches turns to gold, it was just assumed that Spencer Rattler was going to break every NCAA record and be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft and blah, 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 blah. And now here we are. Spencer Rattler's transferring. Uh, you know, not every player regardless of the stars they receive from whatever recruiting service you happen to subscribe to, regardless of that, sometimes they just don't pan out. Sometimes they don't play. They don't have the fire. They don't get coached properly. They don't get used properly. Who knows? There's a lot of reasons why. Okay? So, I, I, you know, I saw people like, oh, yeah, he, you know, he was able to take four-star talent and make them play well at USC and UCLA. It doesn't. It doesn't always work like that, folks. Hey, look, Arizona fans should know better than uh, as well as anyone. Um, we've had a lot of big time recruits. You know, guys who we get excited about four stars and five star guys. And I'm not going to name names here because I don't want to bring up that pain. But we've seen several uh, several recruits come to Arizona and just not perform for whatever reason. Okay, Johnny Nansen when he was coaching. Uh, you know, whatever whatever positions he was coaching, those guys excelled. You may remember the name Javorius Allen or went by the nickname Buck. Uh, Buck Allen, who plays for the New York Giants, he was pretty good too in college, if you remember correctly. Um, he had a pretty nice career, had a couple of real big games against Arizona. He was also coached by Johnny Nansen. Um, you know, Johnny Nansen was also responsible for recruiting Adoree Jackson, who is one of the highest-rated recruits to ever go to USC, and that's saying a lot. Um, and he was also able to coach him in the special teams game because he was the special teams coordinator while he was at USC. And Adoree Jackson, I think, was like number three in the country in punt returns uh, during his time there. So, yeah, I mean – the, the the positions that Johnny Nansen has coached at least over the last six seasons have done extremely well. The individual players have done extremely well. I haven't even gotten into what he did at UCLA over the last two years. I, I saw a tweet. I don't know if it was on a, a tweet that I had or whatever, but there were some U of A fans out there saying that, that this guy's trash, that UCLA's defense was trash, and I'm like, okay, fair. The UCLA defense was, I wouldn't say they were trash. Their pass defense was trash. It was like 114th in the country in pass defense. They were 30th against the run and had the second best run defense in the Pac-12. And 
if you in, if you include the amount of rushing yards per carry, which I think is one of the more important uh, statistics, more certainly more important than total yards per game, because uh, the, the UCLA defense was bad enough to where teams were just running the football in the final 10 minutes of the game and able to compile more yards. UCLA only gave up 3.6 yards per uh, per carry last season, which was number one in the Pac-12. They were eighth in the nation in sacks, 3.3 sacks per game. Uh, those numbers are pretty good and are the best numbers that UCLA has seen since the mid-2000s. The rush defense was excellent. It was 30th in the country uh, this most recent year. They were 36th in 2020 in total rush defense. The defensive line has played extremely well while Johnny Nansen was at UCLA. It was their pass defense, which was garbage. Folks, open your eyes and watch the damn games. <laughs> it's, it's not hard to understand when you watch UCLA play where their problems were on defense. Teams threw the ball all over UCLA all season long. It was extremely difficult to run the football against UCLA this year, as proven not only by just watching the damn games, but looking at the statistics. They were the number two team in the conference in stopping the run under Johnny Nansen's watch as the defensive line coach. And I'm sure that he had plenty to say in the run game coordination on the defensive side of the ball because that was the position that he held at USC for four years as well. So what I'm trying to say here is, even though he's not a big name, look, Alex Grinch, who followed Lincoln Riley to USC, uh, Jim Leonard, you know, one of the best up-and-coming defensive coordinators in the country. He's, you know, obviously at Wisconsin. Brett Venables, one of the best DCs in the country at Clemson. Those guys, those guys, obviously not coming to Arizona, but people on their level. If you if you know a defensive coordinator by name, okay, 130 programs in D1 football. If you know a sitting defensive coordinator by name, there's a good chance they weren't coming to Arizona. A real good chance they weren't coming to Arizona. I tell people all the time. I say it on the show. I say it in person. Any, any, if I've said it once, I've said it 10,000 times to anyone who will listen. Manage your expectations. <laughs> Those big-name DCs who are making $2.5 million a year, $2 million a year, aren't coming to Arizona. We don't have the... Uh, the ability to pay those guys to take a lateral move or a sublateral move or whatever have you, whatever program they're coming from, okay? Arizona has to think outside the box. They have to find up-and-coming guys, guys that check the boxes. And I think Johnny Nansen checks all the boxes that Jed Fish was looking for. And specifically, a guy who brings a lot of energy on and off the field. It's, it's so key to a football program. You know, this team this year – Look, as as talent deficient as they were, played with great energy. I don't think anybody can deny that. When when opposing coaches and players talked about the day that they played Arizona, they don't talk about how easy of a game it was. They talk about how, yeah, you, you know, they, uh, you know, we we maybe took them a little bit for granted. They played hard. They played real hard. That was a that was a, a better football team than we expected. They played physical. They played with energy. You know, these are all things that Jed Fish wants to bring to this program, that he has to bring to this program because of the 
the deficiencies that they've had in recruiting over the last five years. That's about to get better. I fully support this hire. I'm excited to have Johnny Nansen on this staff. Uh, again, I, I knew very, very little about him. The name, it, it took me a moment, and I was like, okay, uh, 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 he's, he's a poly recruiter, Southern California recruiter. That's good. Um, and I knew that he was at UCLA. I just couldn't remember the rest of his history. Went and digged it up, and, and the, the more I dug, the more I uh, you know, came around to liking and really liking uh, this hire. And I think Wildcat fans will be excited once they, once they see just what kind of work that he's able to do with these players. And again, I mentioned you know, the numerous amounts of players that he coached at all kinds of different positions all had great success. And Look, I, people are like, oh, well, that was at you, you know, USC. Uh, w- you know, they're able to just go into their backyard. What have we talked about the last five years with USC, seven years at USC? How underwhelming they've been. How, you know, how they've, they've, they've haven't been able to perform up to the USC level. That's been the talk about USC. We laugh at USC like, ha ha, you know, a, a 500 season or a sub 500 season for USC. You know, you, you laugh at everybody, and it's like, it should be so easy for you guys, but yet you're underperforming. Blah, blah, blah. So I don't want to hear this, oh, it's easy to win at USC. It's easy to recruit at USC. <laughs> We've been talking about how bad USC has been and how underwhelming they've been ever since Pete Carroll left the program. So I don't want to hear that. It's tough to win football games anywhere. Some places are easier to recruit to. Obviously, USC has a huge advantage there. So I like the I like the hire of uh, of Johnny Nansen. I'm excited uh, to have him here. He's already recruiting for Arizona. He was he was out yes uh, out yesterday recruiting for for U of A. So something to get excited about. Hardworking dude. He's getting a nice uh, a nice pay raise to come here and take over this defense. Um, he will play a a four three look. It's going to be a hybrid man zone uh, type of situation. He's, but he's going to play a, a four-man front, which I think is important. You know, a lot of people were talking about Kurt Maddox, the, the defense coordinator at San Diego State, and I like Kurt Maddox, and that defense was really, really impressive this year. But he runs that wonky three-three-five that we saw from Jeff Castile for several years under Rich Rodriguez, and it's just it works great in your, in your lesser conferences, but when you get into big boy football, those three-three-fives don't work so well. So just saying. I think scheme has a lot to do with it as well. We'll continue to talk more about uh, Johnny Nansen, the hire, the defense coordinator. Obviously, on Friday, tomorrow, they'll have him uh, formally introduced to the uh, the fans and the media, and uh, we'll talk about that as well. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Stay tuned here. It's the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Join Spears and Ali for Thursday night football tonight. They'll be broadcasting live at the Native Grill and Wings in Marana from 3 to 6 today. Located on the southwest corner of Cortero and I-10. You can enjoy the multitude of draft beers that they have there at the native grill and wings as well as the multitude of televisions to watch all of the sporting events on check out the food and drink specials that they offer on their loyalty app you can download the native grill and wings loyalty app there's all kinds of great offers and promos on there that you can't get unless you have 
the app. So download that before you go or when you get there. You can just click on the little QR code, and boom, you're in. Thursday night football at Native Grill and Wings in Moran, a home of the original Arizona Wing. All right, it is time now to call to win those women's basketball tickets. Go see Adia Barnes and the U of A women's basketball team next Thursday night. Call right now. Caller number two at 520-719-1490. The number is 719-1490. Call now. Caller number two will win themselves a pair of tickets, digital tickets, which we will email to you um, uh, prior to the uh, prior to the to the uh, tip off of the game, and you can go see the number seven team in the country perform at the McHale Center, big time, uh, uh, big time team, big time showdown on uh, next Thursday night. Call now seven one nine fourteen ninety. Caller number two is our winner. Good luck. Um, one more thought on the on the Johnny Nansen hiring. Um, before we, you know, before we we move on from it, and again, I'll have more information, you know, more news and things like that as time comes along. I, I, I'm very excited about it. He's young. This is one of the things that I really wanted to see. There were a lot of names being thrown out there of guys who were 62, 63, 64 years old. I'm like, that defensive staff needs to get younger, not older. Um, you know, Don Brown had great energy for a guy in his mid sixties, but I'm, you, you look at some of the more uh, successful staffs in college football. There's a lot of young guys on those staff. I mean, Lincoln Riley's 38 years old for God's sakes. So uh, a lot of, a lot of the younger staffs are the ones that are um, guys that are kind of breaking through staffs that are breaking through programs that are seeing large upticks, uh, big swings in successes in short amount of time. Uh, you need those younger guys to inject a lot of the energy, maybe be able to connect a little bit better with the players that they're recruiting. Not to say that that coaches in their mid sixties and such can't connect with the young kids, because it's not about all. It's not always about connecting with the kids, right? I mean, if you understand recruiting, you know. I remember what what Sean Miller told me uh, a few years ago. We were talking about recruiting, and he says you you find the person who has the most influence on that recruit. And you get to know them and you earn their trust. You know, and sometimes it's mom and dad. Sometimes it's an aunt or uncle. Sometimes it's a coach. Sometimes it's grandma or grandpa. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's a, a multitude of different uh, people that have an influence over where a recruit goes to school. You know, remember, um, oh, man, the, the name just jumped out of my head. I had his name for a second here. Uh, Jalen Tabor. The uh, the the cornerback who the, the the five star corner that was ready to go to Arizona. I mean, he is he was committed for months uh, to Rich Rodriguez, uh, Rich Rodriguez's program there. And then on signing day, he signs with Florida because his mom didn't want him to to leave the state of Florida. She's like, nope, you're staying here. And she basically forced him to sign with Florida. I mean, these kinds of things happen. So you have to be able to connect with the right people. That's the key to recruiting. So it's not always about people say, "Oh, you got to, you know, you got to understand, you know, the TikToks and all this other stuff. You got to speak the kids' language." It's not always about the kids' language. These kids are 17, 18 years old. They're highly influenced by the people they trust and people they love, uh, people that they've spent the most times of their life with. And those are the people that you need to connect with. You need to sell them on your ability to take care of their baby, take care of the person that they love for the next four years or so, um, earn their trust. So 
again, it's not always about you know finding a, a you know a thirty year old guy that is hip and you know knows all of the lingo and goes to the right concerts and uh, does the right things on social media and stuff. It's more about finding that connection with the person who has the highest amount of influence on that particular recruit. So, uh, look, I'm I'm very excited uh, about uh, bringing in Johnny Nansen. He's worked with a couple of the guys that are already on staff. So Jimmy Doherty, of course, uh, formerly at UCLA, was with UCLA last year, knows Johnny Nansen from the one year they spent together. And Jordan Pow Pow worked with him when they were both at Washington for quite some time. Uh, Nansen has extensive, uh, uh, you know, extensive uh, experience here in the Pac-12, obviously played linebacker at Wazoo, recruited and coached at Washington, USC, and UCLA. So, look, this is this is the right move at the right time for this football program, and I know that there are fans out there that are like, I don't know the name, therefore I'm going to give it the thumbs down. That is the absolute wrong way to go about your thinking. The guy was hired for two minutes, and everybody, you know, people were starting to jump on. Let's give this person a chance to do their job, okay? Let them prove their worth. And again, manage your expectations. Arizona did not have $2 million to spend on a defensive coordinator. <laughs> He's got to settle down here. Again, remember, like Jed said, you got to win small before you win big. So this, to me, is a win Regardless of size, it could be a small win right now that turns into a big win. I don't know. I just know that based on his history, his resume, and the digging that I was able to do and find out some of the individual players that he coached during his time uh, in, in, in his young career of, of coaching, his early career in coaching, uh, I've, I was very impressed with the results that he got from the guys that he was able to coach. Congratulations to Mark. Islas, is it Islas? Mark Islas, Islas, who won our pair of uh, women's basketball tickets. Congratulations, Mark. Enjoy the game, and of course, thank you for listening. All right, when we return, the Wildcats and Huskies game for tonight was postponed. There was a COVID breakthrough case in Seattle. It's not a forfeit yet, but it may turn into one. We'll talk about that next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. The Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And we got a lot of local stuff to talk to. We uh, talk about today. We've uh, been talking about uh, Arizona football's hire of Johnny Nansen as a defensive coordinator. And now we transition to men's basketball because uh, the game that was scheduled for tonight at the McHale Center, which was going to pit Arizona against Washington, has been postponed. Now, according to uh, according to the uh, to the report, it was that there were. Uh, COVID-19 breakthroughs and protocols within the Washington basketball program, and therefore they had to cancel their trip to Tucson to uh, to play the game. Now, the postponement does not mean a forfeit. Not yet. Now, here's the the, the interesting way to look at this whole thing. 
when could the game be rescheduled is what we're going to look at here. Now, the only way that this could be a forfeit is if the the Pac-12 and the two teams are unable to come to an agreement and a date that fits for a rescheduled game between the two teams. So I went and looked at Washington's schedule. They play a home game versus UCLA on Sunday. That game is still in question as it stands right now, still unsure if they're going to be able to play that game. Then they play at Gonzaga on the 12th. So they have a, an entire week off uh, between the 5th and the 12th to try to squeeze in a game, okay? which you may say, okay, well, that, you know, that would work. However, uh, Arizona has a game scheduled. On the eighth, they have a home game against Wyoming scheduled on the uh, on the eighth. It is probably, I'm going to call it, a very very wide stretch that Arizona would try to squeeze a game in there because currently Wyoming is an undefeated basketball team, and then Arizona has to get on an airplane the next day and travel to Champaign, Illinois, to take on the ranked Illini in a game on Saturday afternoon. So trying to squeeze in a game in which they're traveling from Corvallis on Sunday night to prepare for Wyoming on Wednesday evening, then traveling halfway across the country to Illinois, pretty sure Arizona is not going to squeeze that into their schedule. Okay, Not looking forward to that one. They're like, nah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on, uh, on that one. Let's find another date. Okay, let's do that. So we look at Washington's schedule again. They're pretty much packed in between the 12th and the 21st. Uh, they play Seattle at home on the 18th. They play Utah Valley on Tuesday the 21st. And then they have an eight-game break before they travel to uh, travel to the Palouse to take on Washington State. Okay, so the 21st through the 29th. Great. That's an eight-day break. They can come and travel here to Tucson to take on the Wildcats at that time. Eh, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. Because Arizona is going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee, to take on the ranked Volunteers on Wednesday, the twenty-second, and uh, a game uh, on on Wednesday night. I think that game's on ESPN actually too. Um, so that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that one. Then there's the Christmas break. So there's no scheduling of games during that time unless the Pac-12 says, uh, you know, we don't care about the kids traveling to go see family and such for the holidays. We're going to squeeze this damn game in anyways. Not going to happen, okay? So, the game is not going to happen before the new year. Well, on on uh, December 30th is when Arizona opens their Pac-12 schedule, the regular Pac- uh, Pac-12 season schedule. They go to Los Angeles for a weekend tilt against the Bruins and the Trojans. So, the, the 30th and the 2nd, um, you know, the Wildcats are booked. So, then they have the week off because the rivalry game – they're not playing the, uh, the you know the split schedule, the split travel schedule that following week, so they have seven days off between those games. Well, what about Washington? Washington does not have that week off. They play at Utah and at Colorado. They're traveling that week. Folks, what I'm saying is unless the Pac-12 decides to schedule this game and it's made up after March 5th, which is when the Pac-12 season ends, this game is not going to happen. Arizona is either traveling and cannot make the uh, cannot you know cannot accommodate the schedule, or there's a holiday break, or Washington is scheduled for games. So as it stands right now, this is very much looking, in my opinion, like a forfeit. 
this this could end up being a forfeit win for the Wildcats. Not that they needed it. This is not a game against UCLA that is a potential forfeit. This is a game against one of the worst two or three teams in this conference as it stands right now. So um, it, it, it all depends on if, if the Pac-12 wants to try to squeeze that game in after March 5th. Now, they definitely could, leading up into Vegas and the Pac-12 tournament. They could try to squeeze in that game, um, you know, a possibility you know, on, on a Tuesday or something like that. However, if Arizona, let's, let's just say, just for hypothetical purposes, okay, let's say Arizona, like Ken Pomeroy has predicted, will only have a four-loss Pac-12 schedule. That puts Arizona probably in the top two of the conference. I, you know, UCLA and USC, obviously both very good. Those teams will probably only lose anywhere between three and five games in the conference. Um, Oregon, who got, uh, they did finally get a win last night. Um, Oregon could be another school, and it wasn't a Pac-12 win. It was a non-conference win, a barely beating Riverside, aside from the point. Uh, but, you know, an Oregon could, you know, find their way to round it out. Dana Altman's certainly a good enough coach, and they've got enough talent to turn things around, and their conference season could end up being a lot more rosy than their non-conference schedule. Outside of that, I don't see a whole lot of teams, as it stands right now, competing for one of the top four spots in the conference. Washington, as I mentioned, is one of the worst two or three teams in this conference. I don't know if there's a situation unless an Arizona win or loss drastically affects their seeding in the Pac-12 tournament, where the Pac-12 would even bother having that makeup game. If Arizona is the beneficiary of a forfeit win and it moves them from third in the conference to first overall seed in the conference, we're probably going to see Washington squeeze that game in, you know, the Pac-12 squeeze that Washington game in somehow, some way to make sure that Arizona legitimately wins that number one overall seed. But if it's a difference between the fourth seed and the three seed, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if it's going to happen. Or if Arizona can't move, can't improve with a, with a forfeit win or with a dub uh, in that situation, I, I just don't see the Pac-12 bothering with it. Say, so let's just roll with it. It's fine. Um, you know, Washington should have done better at uh, protecting their players. <laughs> you know, so – this could end up being one of those really interesting situations where it's a forfeit win for the uh, for the Wildcats. Could be that uh, could be that case. Again, just looking at the schedule, I, I don't feel like there's anywhere before March sixth where that game can be squeezed in because of as I mentioned, travel and holiday scheduling. So, um, also in the in the world of uh, Pac-12 basketball, and we'll well, we'll have a, a preview tomorrow. Of the, uh, of the Wildcats and the Beavers. Uh, hopefully they're able to play that game, and Oregon State doesn't have any kind of breakthrough cases where they have to uh, reschedule and postpone that game. Uh, but we'll have a full, full slate of that for you tomorrow. In Pac-12 action last night, UCLA got out to a big lead early against Colorado and cruised at home to their first Pac-12 win. They win 73-61 to over the, uh, the Buffs. Tad Boyle was all over the officials with about – Two minutes to go, uh, two minutes into that game uh, didn't help their cause uh, at all. The officials pretty much tuned him out and then started to really, really heavily lean on UCLA, calling the uh, the game their favor. Uh, Oregon, as I mentioned, gets a narrow win over UC Riverside at home. Oregon wins that game 71-65. And USC and Utah got into a, a 
quite a slugfest last night, but it was USC out on top. They smoked the, uh, the Utes getting their first Pac-12 win of the season by a score of 93-73. to And then, in quite possibly one of the worst basketball games that I've ever had the displeasure of watching, and I mean when I say watching, I mean just kind of like casually glancing over at the Pac-12 network to kind of see what was going on over there. Arizona State loses a game at home. They scored 29 points in the game, in the entire game. They had 10 points at halftime. At halftime, they were 2 of 15 from beyond the arc, and they were 0 for 6 from the free throw line. ASU in the game shot 3 of 26 from beyond the arc, shot 21% from the field, only bothered to attempt 8 free throws in the game, and got beat by 20 on the glass. 20! They had 6 assists and 12 turnovers. That's not a good ratio, folks. They lose to Washington State big. The Cougars went in there and smoked them, 51-29. to That was maybe the worst performance I've seen from a Pac-12 team since Arizona held Washington State to eight points at half. Uh, there was like, what, like, 10, like nine or ten years ago? People were texting me. They're like, is that score real? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's really happening right now. <laughs> Washington State has eight points at halftime. It's really happening. There was a moment in that game, I didn't want to say a moment, eight minutes went by with neither team scoring a single point. Good God, what has happened to that Sun Devil program? Jalen House, who transferred away from uh, from Arizona State this offseason, scored 31 points two nights ago by himself against New Mexico. <laughs> uh, you can't make this stuff up, folks. It's, uh, it's too good, too good, and... Yeah, Arizona State just looking absolutely awful this year. Can't wait till Oregon uh, until Arizona State plays uh, Oregon. That should be a good one. Let me tell you. NFL regular season is heading into the final month of the year, opening week 13 with a big matchup between the Cowboys and the Saints and the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook. Folks over there trying to make it even bigger for you because they're going to give new customers 30 to 1 odds on either team to win. You can place a $5 wager and win $150. I'm looking at Dask, uh, Dak Prescott under passing yards for this game, Ezekiel Elliott with an anytime touchdown, and I'm going to play the Dallas money line, and I'll tell you why coming up in just a little bit. But those are just uh, a few of the SGP uh, opportunities, same game parlay opportunities that are available to you, and there are numerous, numerous other ones for you to look at. FanDuel is sports betting made simple. Always hooking up people, uh, the fans and the, uh, the, the uh, subscribers, with great offers and promotions. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You can use your Venmo. You get paid out quickly. It's the number one rated sportsbook app in America for a lot of reasons. But don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. Sign up with the promo code DEAN tonight before the Thursday night matchup, and you could get those 30-to-1 odds on either team to win. $5 bet wins 150 bucks. but make sure you use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over in present in Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. And if you think you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. 
You know, in regards to the NCAA coaching carousel, the NFL coaching carousel, by the way, going to be starting up pretty soon, I think, after week 13, when some of the teams are not mathematically eliminated, but essentially eliminated from playoff contention, I think you're going to start to see some heads roll in the NFL. Just not quite sure who that's going to be yet because the NFL continues to be a wonderful roller coaster of parody. Um, Notre Dame, uh, of course, looking for their next head coach, as Brian Kelly was announced yesterday as the new head coach at LSU. It's uh, apparent that Marcus Freeman, who was the sitting defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, is probably going to go ahead and take up that mantle. Now, Brian Kelly, who's not always such an eloquent speaker, earlier this season said that Marcus Freeman, quote, he's black and he's going to be our next head coach. (laughs) You know, sure, okay. Um, I, I don't think that it was essentially going to be this year. But nonetheless, Marcus Freeman, who's 35 years old in just his first season as the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, appears to be the leading candidate for that job. So that'll be interesting, the things at Notre Dame. And Brian Kelly obviously taking a lot of heat for the way he exited that program the other night. All right, stick around for hour number two. Just a quick turnaround. We'll be back right here in two minutes. You're listening to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.